police in the morning. Welcome, B-Movie fans, to another B-Movie interview. I'm Paul. And I'm Corey. And joining us today are three of the creators of the Christmas-themed horror film, Good Tidings. Stuart Jopia, Stuart Be- Bedford, and Giovanni Gentile. And they are here to talk about their film. Guys, welcome to our show. Hello. Yeah, thank you. So, How go- how's it going? Good. Oh, how pretty good. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. Thank you. Yeah, good. As I say, recovering from Christmas. <laughs> recovering from making a Christmas movie and from Christmas. Speaking of good Christmas, uh, you know, your, your movie is called Good Tidings. Is this the first film that you three worked on together? Yeah, uh, yeah as a group, yeah. It's the first it's one. The first feature. We've kind of done shorts here and there together as well. Um, and Stu Joppier and I have sort of worked We've sold a couple of scripts. We've worked on a couple of films that weren't ours, but this is our first feature that we've done under our own banner. Very cool. Did you guys originally plan Good Tidings to be a Christmas theme slasher, or did you just kind of have an idea for a horror slasher and the Christmas theme kind of came together? Uh, we, uh, we, we've, I've always wanted to do a Christmas horror movie. I adore them. And uh, when we kind of wanted to do a feature, I kind of put the kind of put the idea of a possible could we do a Christmas movie, and it all kind of came from the location that we got of the courthouse. To be honest, um, we got that location, and that sort of led us into wanting to do you know what what ideas what what things could we do in this courthouse, you know what could we do, and we kind of came up with the idea of wanting to do a siege type movie, and that led us to. For me to go, please make a Christmas, make a Christmas. And we sort of, like, kind of was born from there, really. Yeah, it was it was really the Santas, actually, I think, that kind of sort of started our imaginations going. Um, Stu, Stu J kind of, as he said, he loves Christmas movies and he's always wanted to, to do one. He watches, he watches so many Christmas horrors every year. Um, and same for me, really. Um, so he brought us, he, he kind of came up with this idea of these Santas. And uh, as I say, yeah, it was really the location. It was almost like, okay, we've got these Santas. Then we kind of secured this awesome location, the courthouse, and they just mashed together really well. But when we saw um, the Santas for the first time, it was just obvious they were going to pop on camera. So it wasn't much of a sell from Stu, to be honest, because as soon as you kind of see them, I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be cool. Um, so yeah. I would say we kind of did start out with Christmas in mind, to be honest with you. I reckon so. Yeah. Defo. But yeah, once that once that first photograph that we that we did the still of the three Santas, that kind of that was the that was the thing that did it. That we kind of went, okay, these look awesome. This is going to work. So let's move on with the sort of whole Christmas theme and work on that. So yeah, it was def- definitely started as something we wanted to do in Christmas, and it just sort of the location fed it all really. And we had the it. homeless homeless element in mind as well, pretty quickly, really. <laughs> so we knew the two players, and we had the location. The rest just came, didn't it? Because yeah, it came together pretty quick. I think we had that kind of sort of central theme of Christmas being cruel to the poor. That was mm. kind of what we wanted to say from the beginning, really. I mean, obviously, that developed as we developed the story. But you put in three evil Santas versus homeless people. 
and then as soon as we found the courthouse, that sort of fed into that theme of of, of it sort of being judgment. Um, so yeah, it was a kind of very cohesive concept, I think, from the beginning with Christmas as a kind of central sort of metaphor, if you like, of Christmas being cruel to the poor. As I say, these Santas are literally attacking homeless people. It's Christmas attacking poor people, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Definitely a cool idea. Nothing quite says Christmas like Killer Santas. Of course. Absolutely. What was the Absolutely. What was the most fun aspect that uh, you guys think of making the movie Good Tidings? I think, for me, personally, it was working with the Santas. Uh, because I know, you know, if you've seen the movie, you'll know that it's kind of played totally straight. Um and it's quite bleak and you've got a lot of you've got a lot of kind of harsh themes flying about about addiction and sort of redemption and all that sort of stuff but when you're working with the, when we were working with the santas the santas are just having fun then and they're just totally even as even from a directorial standpoint they were sort of unpredictable if you know what i mean um geo kind of was really <laughs> Uh, Geo was a very unpredictable element, you know, and you didn't know what you were quite gonna get, and that's good. You know, I'm not having a go, Geo. That's that's good. No, I, I get it. I get it. I was you know. I was difficult to manage because the, the Santa <laughs> you wanted me to play was difficult to manage. So, <laughs> we we were we were totally in, in in taking the role on, as we should say, kept it going on set type of thing. You know, once you put the once you put the Santa mask on, yeah. You, you yeah. become a different it person. It kind of feeds. Yeah, you become the different person. You become that person that it is. And yeah, you can be a bit of a handful on set. That's we were just keeping Stewie on his toes. But really. one thing you got to realize is you can't see anything out of those masks. I mean, it's really hard to see. And my Santa was the most aggressive. And you're like, look over here. And I was missing cues and missing you talking because I couldn't see you. And people were getting angry because I wasn't seeing them. And I was <laughs> like, I can't. I can't see you. <laughs> so that made me angry. Anyway, yeah. That that I probably that wasn't was... the fun part, but it was. <laughs> What's your fun part then, Gio? My fun, fun part was fun? taking a shower at the end of the day and getting rid of that disgusting <laughs> suit smell. <laughs> it was just horrible. But yeah, you know, it was. It, I think the, the Santas definitely sort of, as characters, even had the most fun. Um, yeah, I agree. Did. I definitely agree with that. Definitely. Yeah, agree. So I mean, that was the. You know, we were we were pretty much. You know, we were on set quite. Pretty much nearly like every other day, we would be on set. You know what I mean? And you were just putting that horrible costume on that was just covered in the worst blood and that, that mask is plastic as well. So as soon as horrible. you sweat, it just sticks to your face. And uh, yeah, it was. But I did not. I did not mind getting up at six in the morning and going yeah, and did. putting it on. So that's definitely probably the funnest part for me, to be honest. Definitely the funnest part of playing one of the Santas. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Sounds like it. That actually leads into our next question. Um, we have to ask of uh, Stu and Giovanni, what was it like playing these psycho- psychopathic serial-killing Santa Clauses? It definitely looked like it was probably a lot of fun, but um, was it difficult kind of playing characters that were that didn't talk, or did that make it um, easier, or um, just kind of like playing silent characters? What was that like? Go on, Stu. I mean- for, well, for for me, I, I I think being having the mask on and being kind of silent was perfect because we're not like we're not you know full on actors <laughs> and like being able to just play some something that was completely 
off the scale and kind of, you know, almost a caricature of, <laughs> you know, what yeah. maybe kind of sits deep inside us a little bit. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, when I kind of, you know, when we came up with the, the concepts of the Santas and we took them, we took them as our own and kind of went, all right, let's, let's see what we can do with them. You know, with my one, obviously bringing kind of the limp and stuff like that. I don't even know why I even kind of brought the limp in and stuff like that. It was just, did you have a bad leg on the first day and you were just like, fuck it, I'll just go yeah, with it. it have, yeah, you know, you just go, oh, I want to be so completely different and do stuff that I don't ever do in real life in any way, shape or form. And that was a perfect 18 days of playing this crazy Santa that, you know, once you've seen it as well, it's kind of, the, each, the Santas have got their own little personalities, you know, and that's the, what bringing that to the each each of our characters, I think, was... A massive detrimental part of this movie and you know a lot of it because we went we, we were under a lot of we were doing everything really quickly and you know we didn't have a lot of time and we kind of didn't do a huge amount of tests with the santas i think stewie put a lot of faith into what we would turn up with I, we, I, I knew you guys had clear ideas of what was going on you know, you could I had see a clear the- idea of the Santa at first, but then when I, I think that that is not the Santa that came out. But you know, it's one but of them. Isn't it? We sort of let, we sort of let those Santas naturally, yeah, evolve. Appear, if you like, they're and evolve, and I think that really worked in our favour because, as you say, with that limp, Stu, we had that limp, sort of in the tests, the early tests, and we were kind of. Yeah. And there was something that sparked in my mind then about going, Curly's the kind of vulnerable one. Curly's going to be the one with the sort of... Mm, the the vulnerability side to it, yeah, I remember. He's got the arc. He's who you, out of the centers, who you sort of empathize with in a little bit, in a, in a way. And I think even early on with that limp, that kind of fed into that. It gives it that sort of instant kind of, okay, well, you know, is he, he kind of gets slapped around a bit as well. You yeah. Know? yeah, and Always Mo is the alpha male with big, broad, sort of powerful and... And Larry was the animalistic one, the more the like maniac. knuckle dragger, if you know yeah, what I mean. Card. Yeah. You kind of knew what Mo was going to do. You knew what kind of Kaylee was going to do, but I liked, and we had this idea of going, okay, like Mo is going to be kind of the big guy that kind of does all of the, the planning and the moving people around. Kaylee, which who Stu played, is going to be the guy you really only see in the sort of hostage room. Um, but Larry's the dude who can kind of show up anywhere at any time. Yeah, he's the... Yeah. You know, he, the, he went oh, where... Michael <laughs> pops up in places and has people laugh and does horrible things and is the quite cruel one of the three, I'd say. Yeah, so yeah, it like, perfectly for me. <laughs> yeah, kept on a kind of short leash by Mo in a way. I like the fact uh, that they're like all named Sorry, go on. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, I like the fact they're all named after the Three Stooges. I thought, like, because you don't really hear their names in the movie, but reading the credits, I'm like, oh, cool. So if the Three Stooges <laughs> became Santa yeah. Claus and went on a murder spree, that's pretty neat. No wonder <laughs> they got <laughs> taken off the air. <laughs> yeah, it sort of came from it came from a short story I wrote a while ago about a bank robbery um, where the guys were wearing Three Stooges masks, and I always really loved that idea of. It was kind of point breakish in my original sort of short story. Um, but then when we were writing this, I was like, wouldn't it be cool to kind of like sort of emulate that Three Stooges dynamic in a way? You know, so you've got 
uh, Larry and Curly kind of fighting each other and Mo kind of slapping them about, but ended up getting involved in the fight sort of himself. But let's push that to the fact that they're like crazy murderers. <laughs> you know, so that's, why he's all, that's why Mo's always booting Curly and, uh, you know, Larry's always giving uh, Curly shit, but sort of like cowering to Mo. Um, yeah. Yeah, we kind of copied the dynamic, I suppose, really, but uh, well, it it's, worked it's out. A, it's a homage. It's good, no, you you don't, you, absolutely, you don't, as you said, you don't get to, you don't, you don't know that until the very, the very last, yeah. you know, the credits are rolling, you go, okay, <laughs> cool, all right, you've called Yeah, and then if you watch it again. But it plays and it works. Yes, that's what I mean, if you watch it again, knowing that, you go, oh, yeah, there's that, like, like that's, okay, they kind of, like, really Yeah, absolutely, playful and sort of, a bit crazy, you know what I mean? But I think we think it worked as just, you know, they are these kind of killers that you don't see anyone's faces, but you get, you're still getting, they don't all feel like the same person. You know, that was the one thing we wanted to do was not make three Santas feel like one. And you could never tell who yeah, was like on the screen, you know, which is, which is one thing that we definitely wanted to do. That's why I think, because we never really sat off with each other, did we, as Santas, and kind of went, all right, this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I'm going to do, and this is how we're going to play this. No, we, kinda... we kept uh, we kept ourselves separate from the homeless people as well to try and build up a bit of tension. Yeah, we never really put the, the, the Santa stuff on. When we were in rehearsals, we'd just play it as ourselves, you know what I mean, rather than kind of put the Santas on. So when we put them on for the first time and sort of get in this full Santa mode, it was... Kind of a bit creepier for the the people yeah. to make it a bit yeah, more. Distra- it, it did say it was it was weird having to stare at blank eyes and stuff like that, <laughs> and just Santa's staying staying in kind of you know costume and how they would There's be for a the few whole times show. where we were off off scene. There was like, could you just stand there with your mask on just to just to give me that sort of like you know feeling? I was like, yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get, get, them in, get the actors in the mood. Well, that's it. We tried to kind of not see the Santas out of the masks as much as possible. Obviously, we had to from time to time. Um, but there was an element of, like, let's not sort of see Gio yeah, without standing around eating a sausage roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just keep, keep it more mysterious and a bit freakier for them all, isn't it? Did help. It did. I definitely I thought done you guys more did a good job with... Oh, sorry. No, go on, go on. I definitely thought you guys did a good job with um, making them all distinct characters. Like, um, one of them was more childish. You could tell which one was the leader. And even just by, like, how they'd kill, like, the um, mm-hmm. the one that was more brutal was, um, I, don't, I don't really know which one was Larry Moe and Curly, but, like, um, when at the end where the woman was kind of holding it, holding the one, like, kind of comforting him it's like okay he's got a completely different personality than that one who just you know decapitated that guy so i thought you guys did pretty well with that yeah yeah thanks man that's we were kind of hard on that from the beginning really because we were aware of how easy it would be for these guys to just bleed into one santa holy and then there's no point then in three of of course we may well just add one one doing all the the doing, but it it makes it more playful as well i think because it's got you know as stewie was saying before it's play totally straight and it's the only sort of com not even comical just playful you know yeah absolutely and it's i think it just adds that little you know christmas element to it i think weird little playful horrible 
<laughs> characters yeah. that are doing really horrible things. But, you know, somewhere down the line, you start to feel a little bit for them because you understand them as kind of whoop, strange characters that we've... Well, that's... Portrayed. Yeah, that's... Oh, sorry, man, I thought you'd finish. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. Uh, no, yeah, that, well, that's the interesting thing about having three of them, isn't there, really? Because if you look at, like, a film like Halloween or Friday the 13th, you've got this sort of golem-esque killer, uh, silent, doesn't say anything, he's going around killing everyone. But then you add two other characters to the mix. You start being able to kind of give them their own little story. Even though they don't speak, you can give them this... You know, you could have played it with totally straight, where they just killed everyone, and then they, it was it was homeless people versus Santas. But what we kind of found with having the three killers and having them as three distinct characters is that the personalities within that group could also clash. So, you know, you've got conflict internally within the homeless people, but then you've also got this kind of power struggle with the Santas happening. Yeah, it makes it more three-dimensional, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's it's not just homeless people versus Santas. It's homeless people versus Santas plus Santas versus Santas. Um, and that gave us the opportunity to sort of develop one of the Santas into an almost subplot protagonist, if you like. Um, which, obviously, I like Stu said, just gives us a bit more dimension um, to those characters. So they're not just Golem-esque killers. You know, we're referencing all those awesome slasher movies that we love, but we're also able to make you feel for one of our characters, hopefully, uh, for yeah. one of the Santas, and that just adds a bit more, we we were kind of thinking. Didn't somebody cry when Curly died at the end? You know, the candy yeah. Santa. Oh, spoiler alert. I did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. Sorry. It's not live. <laughs> yeah. So people do yeah i mean they kind of what you know i've had a few people go to me my god man i did feel i've totally felt sorry for you at the end i'm like oh, oh yeah <laughs> oh you know what i mean that's nice that's that that's worked because that's kind of what we wanted that's totally it? worked but yeah well, it was one of the assistants wasn't it we were on set and he hadn't sort of read the script because you know your camera assistant you don't really need to read the script um and when we got to the scene that geo spoiled for everybody um <laughs> <laughs> he was like ah oh, i don't want him to die I was a Santa and I wanted him to die because he's a monster. <laughs> like, I... Well, that's why I think it kind of worked well having the three Santas and being able to tell that little story because if you can turn a killer, like a horrible killer, around and people are going, Oh, I didn't want him to die, you're like, Yeah, nice. That's like, yeah. you know, Elector, you've liked him, a horrible person. Mm. Yeah, totally. It's like, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You kind of feel a little bit sorry for Leatherface at times. You do, yeah. you know, being Especially beat up Seth, by man. all the other people and you know, you go, oh God, what's this, what's this, what's happened to yeah, this? Yeah, in a weird, to I'm still that way, way. Yeah, it's just that interesting angle that you can put on killers, which, uh, you know, can work and can't work. And, you know, yeah, I'm glad that totally. people are saying that it worked. Cause but it, it, it is like awesome. the kind of left the thing, isn't it? You're going, I kind of like this character, even though he fucking eats humans. And that's a, that's a sort of, you know, it's a it, it's kind of a interesting thing because it just means you want to watch it. You want to watch him. It's hard if you hated him, you wouldn't want to watch because he is kind of he becomes one of the main characters, doesn't he? It's yeah. satisfying though when you kill uh, a bad guy who's who you really want to die. Oh yeah, well, his death cool. needs to be satisfying. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's yours. Kind you want to feel something, either satisfied or sad. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's it. Feeling something is at least you know you've you've created uh, you created something that people care about there, and that's the main thing when watching mm. it. You know, I de- that's why we made them the homeless. You know, because we didn't just want the people who were being attacked. We wanted them to be you know not just kids running around making stupid decisions and having no sort of backstory or any reason for being in the location that they are or whatever it just felt a little bit more interesting to push a story forward you know by making interesting characters rather than just sort of golems along the whole way the killers are golem and everyone else is and that's awesome you know i love movies like that but we just wanted to try and mix in some decent characters that we could play with and people could kind of enjoy you know feel sorry for I suppose if we wanted to go more commercial, we could have had like thirteen horny teens break into the abandoned courthouse. And yeah, totally. For a romp. Yeah, that would have been the. That's the that's the that's the easy way. That's it? good tidings that's too. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but it's more interesting, isn't it? I think when you feel for the people who are getting killed in a yeah. horror movie. You know, and go, oh, no, shit, this guy's dying. I don't want this guy to die. You know what I mean? Oh, no, this guy's dying. That type of thing. I like that in a horror movie. Makes you feel something a little bit more than just kids dying. Yeah, Making stupid Why don't we run down here and kind of run into the killer now and die immediately? And everyone goes, yeah, that's a dead good idea. And we all watch them die <laughs> and not care for them. <laughs> no. So, yeah, I think that was it, really. This is a uh, a Christmas horror movie, which is a, a wonderful subgenre all on its own. But it, it brings together two polar opposite ideas, you know, one of horror and terror and, you know, the things that go bump in the night. And the other of Christmas, you know, jolly, happy, you know, family, love, caring. But yet they yeah. seem to mesh together so well. Why do you think that is? I think because what you described Christmas as is not Christmas for probably most of the people in the world. I think it has I been. Think... Go on, sorry, Joe. No, go on. I need no, to you... put my thoughts together. I haven't quite done it yet, but yeah, it, <laughs> it was just it was just like people always assume Christmas is is a happy time, but it's it's not not for a lot of people. And I, I think to an extent we kind of know that, hmm. and that's why it's we used homeless fun, people. It's deep down, and people can people can feel that they know that they see it on the television. They see things at Christmas. Every Christmas is always, you know, they always push a lot of the help this person, help this, and you know, as it absolutely should be. So people know we all know we all have these really nice time, and we have lots of food. But we all deep down know that there's there's people out there that aren't that are not well off, that aren't having a nice Christmas, or don't celebrate Christmas, or whatever. We all know that, and I think putting that into it, that feeds into the horror sort of aspect, you know, and I think people are intrigued to see the darker side of what the Christmas is. What is yeah. Christmas for, like, poor homeless people? It's just the same yeah. time of the year, but cold. It's That's it. And that, you know, they, in our characters, they've done something to get themselves out of that. Um, you know, they still get shit brought down upon them by these Santas, you know, they've brought themselves as, you know, the line in there. The, what, why, why are these Santas doing it to us? They've sort of brought, you know, we've brought ourselves out of the dirt and the cold and, you know, they're just still coming. And that's, you know, a big metaphor, really, for that, yeah, it's still it's still always going to be a bit shit for someone around the world. And, you know, a lot of people take it for granted. And it just fits well. I think it just, I don't know, the, 
the whole sort of I think Santa Claus and the whole thing about Christmas is kind of a little bit creepy anyway. Dude Definitely. is like invading your home. <laughs> Dude invading your home and he leaves presents and you gotta like you gotta leave <laughs> okay. him like some gotta leave him like some milk and some cookies. You know, and it's kind of weird and kids get it uh, destroyed for them, you know, when they're young and it's a that's a really harsh time <laughs> when you find out that Santa Claus isn't real and you kind of you know, there's something in that. That's why a lot of the a lot of the films that are set at Christmas kind of have that little depressing thing to it, you know, like in Krampus or, you know, Krampus is totally about, oh man, I don't believe in the spirit of Christmas anymore and, you know, Christmas is shit and blah, blah, blah. And by doing that, this evil Santa comes and gets you. Mm-hmm. So always, they've all, the Christmas films have got this depressing side to it as well because Christmas has. That's why holiday movies work so well in the horror genre, I think. Yeah. We're all meant to be happy, aren't we? But it's, it's sometimes happiness is hard. It's hard to achieve, especially when you have to be. Yeah, well, we're all told we have to be happy at these times. That's the thing, isn't it? You know, we all should be good and it all should be and it'd be awesome if it is, but it isn't for a lot of people. And that's the thing. That's why it just works. It just works perfectly in the horror genre. You know, that you take a time that's meant to be all joyful and you throw in something that's like a killer or killers or creatures or whatever and it fucks with that with your time that yeah. is meant to be precious and it's meant to be happy and joyful you know we have these time we don't have many of them times spotted through and it's a time for everyone isn't it it's because we all can do it you know we have all of our birthdays but they're ours aren't they you know yeah someone else may have it but christmas is a you know, everyone in the world has Christmas, but, you know, Hanukkah or whatever, you know, they all believe in that. It's a, it's a shared thing. So Don't you realize, I think that, I don't, I think we did this kind of inadvertently, but the, the homeless people kind of figured out the true meaning of Christmas. They don't really have stuff. They got very few things. They've got garbage food, yet they're probably having the most truly happy Christmas because comparatively to where they were they're somewhere really good right now thankful aren't they yeah so yeah exactly i mean thankful it's what i know you were going for it but to me i didn't really like didn't really click until kind of recently when i was watching it again i was like yeah they their their spirit is is kind of more pure than ours we need stuff and socks they've got which is finally some warmth and yeah and you know i think I think the idea of there's something about horror and Christmas because of them being so polar opposite mm. in terms of imagery. <clears throat> it's like I'm going back to Hannibal Lecter again, but in uh, that scene in Sands of the Lambs where he escapes and there's classical music playing over this scene where he's really brutally murdering gods in mm. horror movies. There's something about yeah, almost poetically, like he's a yeah, exactly. It like has an, an orchestra. Like, of yeah. course, it's almost like he's this is his conductor. Orchestra. He's a conductor of murder, and that's what we did a, a couple of times with sort of Christmas carols. Uh, for example, there's a torture scene which God rest you, merry gentlemen's playing over. So you've almost got this idea of these Santas almost being in their element, you know. Um, while they're murdering these homeless people. So there's this nice sort of dichotomy, as we've been talking about. You know, Christmas is supposed to be jolly. But Mm. really, for a lot of people, it isn't. But it's almost like Christmas revels in the sort of commercialism. You know, so they just kind of juxtapose really nicely. And it almost adds a sense of meaning, I think, 
Um, it's like the homeless people were trying to break the commercial aspect of it, and Santa. Yeah, they had the true meaning nope. of it. But yeah, Christmas is like, no, fuck you. Christmas is about you buying know, stuff. Senselessness. Yeah, like, about commercialism. Purchasing. Yeah. 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 Well, that's it. You know, if you, for example, I've just got a got a uh, put a deposit down on a house and all that sort of stuff this year. I'm really skint. Um, skint. You know, I haven't got a lot of money, but. You still have to spend money on everyone, literally. I've still spent money, and I'm just like, oh, God, I've got no money left, really. I mean, I have, you know, I've got enough, but that's if you don't go out and buy everyone's stuff. Inside, you feel like you've done wrong. Yeah, because, you, you well, know, the telly tells us that we are, that's why. Of course. <laughs> you do, but I, mean. I haven't bought anybody anything. I was like, no, nobody <laughs> left. Sorry. <laughs> you know. I'll just make everyone Christmas presents this year man I was going to write poems for all my brothers and sisters and, that, and I went uh, nah fuck that actually <laughs> I just went to home. but like I can't play with a poem I know I can't but... play with it <laughs> I felt like if I wrote them like it'll you know, be horrible though if you write a poem though you'll just make it you'll, you'll, you'll pour your feeling into it and it'll scare people yeah, so. that's crap make a Christmas haiku <laughs> or something like that yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like Santa related, I, Santa murdering. My skills, but then I went. You know what? That's shit. They'll all just be like, <laughs> "That's shit." So I had to buy everything. You know, and it's yeah. So that's the that's the real meaning of Christmas today, isn't it? Pretty yeah, much. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. When I was watching Good Tidings, actually, I kind of had the say. I kind of saw what you guys meant with the kind of like the real meaning of Christmas versus the uh, materialism. Like you had the homeless people, especially the um, the main guy who went out of his way to help these homeless people, these former drug users. And then he had the Santa Clauses who just wanted to kill people to like feel feel good and everything. So he had somebody who was basically really altruistic versus these murderers who basically just wanted to state whatever need and feel feel fun no matter what it's very so, selfish yeah kind of it's like no matter like the, what the cost was because it was their, it was their playtime you know it was their christmas playtime yeah. they set up all, they bring their toys and they're having lots of fun this christmas you know what i mean <laughs> by messing with these guys throughout the whole film and that's kind of a strange thing to bring into a movie you know that they're sort yeah. of fun with it you know you don't you don't really get that you know you, you see michael myers i don't know if he's having he looks like he's having fun but you never yes. quite tell he's having fun murdering everyone I you know what something I mean? michael myers is more like he's got a need to do it <laughs> he, he can't needs, stop he has he's to angry he has it's to like go. a force of these nature. guys have made this decision to follow yeah. them and go in there and when you need to kill but you don't enjoy it it's what's one thing but when somebody does it purely for like the yeah. joy of it yeah. It's not even sexual. It's more like, oh, this is. Let's do this. It'll be, it'll be a crack, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, we discuss their motivations not being sexual. I kind of think it makes it a little bit more unsettling that it's not sexually motivated. You know, there's that bit where Moe's going to pick a victim, and he goes to pick Roxy, who's the drug user, who's one of the other main characters, and sort of Kelly's developed this connection to her, so he jumps in the way, and Moe makes a conscious decision to take someone else. So that was kind of like us going, these guys are capable of making with passion to each other. I think with Mo, it's more like uh, it's more like he was could be bothered. You know what I mean? It was unimportant as long as he got somebody. 
Yeah. But Curly yeah. had this sort of childish, childish feeling for you know what I mean? Like he's like a, a sort of mother figure, but mm, not quite. Like he's definitely. confused, really, isn't he? He's he doesn't really. It's not like a oh, I'm in love with her. No, it's, no. But that was the opposing sort of yeah. um, t- conceptual charge, if you like, because we had this uh, sort of father daughter dynamic between the main character and the drug user. And then we sort of flip that when she gets taken hostage and you have this kind of mother-son sort of dynamic developing. It's kind of like contrasting with the main plot. I'd love to hear uh, I'd love to hear her take on this, actually. Um, next time we talk, I'm going to ask her what she thought. Mm. be interesting to see what, what, uh, what, what she thought, really. Yeah, well, there was a lot of talk about that when we were rehearsing and sort of when we were talking about the scenes and blocking and stuff like that. You know, because it could have easily developed into a sexually motivated thing, that, and we were, like, very careful not to let it do that. Mm. I think that would have downplayed the whole thing, really. I think so. I think it would have been, like, oh, right, yeah, sexually motivated. It's it's obvious. All serial murders are sexually motivated. What I like about these killers is that there's none of that. That's why it's, like, you know, it makes it more of a twisted, twisted sense of humor, I think, that runs through that via it being that way. You know Mm. what I mean? plays their humor they want you know they you know like when curly is doing the uh you know there's past the parcel in there and there's you know there's all sorts of traps set up and you know it's got that sort of home alone-ish kind of feel but a reverse home alone <laughs> but yeah you know they, they, they're essentially just having fun it's their it's their christmas they want they yeah. want to have the fun and they are <laughs> for most of it <laughs> you know what i mean and then i don't the 12 year old yeah absolutely you know, they've just come in to go, all right, we're going to disrupt these guys having fun and have our own. Lock them in and spend a day on Christmas Day having torturous games mm-hmm. <laughs> with a bunch of people and make them gutted that it's on Christmas Day, really. Yeah. What movies inspired the creation of Good Tidings? Die Hard, I think. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of Die Hard. There's definitely a lot of Die Hard in there. Good, yeah, good bit of Die Hard. Structurally, I mean, I watched Die Hard the other day. Um, yeah. For you know, Christmas, yeah, obviously. Obviously, who doesn't watch Die Hard for Christmas? Yeah, I mean, bad uh, people. Absolutely, absolutely. But you know, well, yes, yeah, I mean, structurally, definitely, it's very similar. It is. It is. I mean, I love Die Hard. For me, is literally like one of the first Christmas films that gets watched on the list. You know what I mean? And I, I, I love. I mean, we sort of had a bit of a Assault on Precinct 13 vibe going on as well. That was something that, you know, we wanted... It was obviously a Siege movie, and we wanted to kind of... That was a big jump-off point, wasn't it, I think, when we were writing it, was uh, Assault on Precinct 13. A lot of John Carpenter stuff. We tried to make it feel claustrophobic without it being too Hmm. repetitive. It was hard to do. I think we... I don't know. I think we pulled it off, really. There's definitely a lot of sad night, deadly night in there. You know, we obviously took yeah. took uh, took huge from all the all the awesome Christmas horrors that we love. Yeah, you know, picking the kills and stuff like that, yeah. making them Christmassy. You know, you as I say, we watch these movies all the time. It's got a bit of Texas Chainsaw Massacre in there for me, definitely. It's a twisted the, family uh, dynamic. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's just few. You know, when we when we write it, we sit down and watch like kind of lots and lots of the movies that are kind of like that, um, that are you know along those lines. So we kind of have a lot of influence. There is quite a lot of influence and like, homage 
Um, but yeah, bits of Home Alone, bits of bits of Silent Night, Deadly Night, bit of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, bit of stage fright, bit of bit of any of the eighties and seventies sort of exploitation slashes that we love. But obviously, we wanted to kind of make it slightly different and kind of weave in the you know even the characters and obviously the characters they from the bad guys that you don't often get you know and sometimes you're kind of like oh you know i'd love to know what the kind of a bit more about that killer <laughs> or something like that you know what i mean but yeah to mostly we'd watched a lot of 70s and 80s exploitation slashes um but i think assault on precinct 13 was definitely a big jumping point for having you know we had the cells we had this one location that people are trying to get in you know when they're having these guys off so it's very it's got that kind of 70s feel that we always wanted to keep through didn't we mm-hmm. yeah i mean that was from the start we kind of we said this is a 70s exploitation movie you know it sort of snowballed if you forgive the pun and um picked up a lot of influences on the way as i say you know the die hard influences <laughs> is is blatant because of the kind of one guy being the spanner in the works yeah. You know, uh, and he, he he's in his he's in he's got his uh, he's got his vest on kind of halfway through. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's got a guy. I think he even kind of a he's got a bit of a he's got a bit of a John McLean vibe to him, definitely. Yeah. But then, like as you say, the assault the assault thing came in. That was that was a big part of it, and <clears throat> yeah, it picked up a lot along the way. Uh, but it all made a kind of I think quite distinct sort of image. In the end, there's even that direct reference to Diod in it, where Diod with a vengeance, where he realizes, oh shit, spoiler yeah. alert! You know, he has that moment where he says it's syrup. <laughs> yeah. Oh it's yeah. The it's the syrup I'm moment. Yeah. That's that. I'm I just, didn't even. I didn't even clock that. How did I not? Yeah, man, totally, Because once we realized structurally, it was like, you know, quite. Because I also think Diod's one of the tightest scripts. I've literally ever read and ever seen. There's no wasted time. Even the moment where he's like, you know, take your shoes off and ball your feet, and that leads on to mm. being in barefoot throughout the whole movie, and you go, oh my God, man, he's doing all this in bare feet. It's like, it's a perfect a- script. Um, it's got everything, that movie, man. It's got everything. Yeah. Like, all the characters, man, they don't make movies like that anymore. All the, ca- all the, all the side characters, like Al... And yeah, what's the what's the driver? I can't remember what the driver's called. Uh, yeah, uh, Argyle man. And Argyle. They all, they all, they all these side characters have detrimental bits to the plot, man, and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? The the whole structure, and you're in there for like two hours, and you're like, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah, it's not so Christmas like- until you see, uh, until you see him fall out the window. That's literally that's the moment <laughs> that Christmas comes. <laughs> Yeah, so as soon as I went, oh my god, yeah, I went, I'm going to write a diode reference in, and that was the syrup, the syrup line. So what qualities yes. What qualities do you guys think make a great film? And could each of you give us an example of one film you think is great, other than Die Hard, as we, we've already found out, is <laughs> yeah. one of the greatest <laughs> movies ever. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it, it is great. Um, it wants to start. I don't know if I can answer that, because like it depends how I feel. Like one moment I'll be watching one thing, and the next, you know, the next day I'll something will have happened, and I'll need to have watched a completely different film. And the previous film, I'll be like, no, I can't do that right now. So you got to come back to me. I got to think about it. 
and it doesn't depend <laughs> on how I feel right now. I, I think pretty... oh, I, I, I'll, I'll go with what I've gone. I, I don't know. I think I think for me, you know, as we, we we're writers and we like we like characters. I think I think having a movie with great characters, people that you can relate to, mm. uh, people that you feel things for when you on their journey because at the end of the day a movie is you know it, it's a journey and it's a journey that we probably all don't live very often we <laughs> watch horror movies that's why we watch sci-fi movies that's why we watch you know things that make us feel something different and um, characters for me is the you know a strong part of that so i i think i think for me goonies the Goonies is one of the greatest <laughs> movies ever made. It's, I yeah. fucking hate that movie. I love that movie. Don't, What's wrong with you? You hate it. There's something wrong with I, him. I think it's because I didn't see it till I was in my 20s, and so many people yeah. hated oh, okay. it up so much. that it's, just, it's it, There's no nostalgia in it for me, and I think that's the issue. Oh, oh, man. oh yeah, see, I get that. That is totally that. my game. That is totally my game. That is, I watched that as a kid. You know, probably around their age, and you kind of, you know, you watch it continually. And I just, lo- I just love that. I love the kids. I love their each and everyone, all their little characters that they are, and you know, the mission that they go on and that. But yeah, I totally get that because I know people who've seen films that I love, and I'm a lot older than a few of the people that I know. So you know, I've, I've watched it when I was a kid, and people go, "No, but I've watched that as an adult, and I didn't get it, or I didn't have that thing because it's not nostalgic and." I get that though, but yeah, for me, Goonies, man, I absolutely it just makes me feel good every time I watch the Goonies. I, good I, film. I work with kids, so like it, to me, right. the the characters in the Goonies are just really annoying. <laughs> I want to leave work at work. <laughs> I can get that though. Oh, I feel for you, bro. Uh, yeah, I think for me, what makes a great movie is sort of like substance, if you know what I mean. So let's just pick an example of like dawn of the dead you know something in there that kind of like social commentary like it's a movie that you can watch the story and you you can sort of you've got a plot you can watch it unfolding and then that's the story but underneath that there's something there's something of substance there's a kind of there's a metaphor there's some you know obviously it's the simplest one i can think of dawn of the dead you know, we're all zombies anyway, we're all consumers, we flock towards the mall, that's just what we're programmed and ingrained to do. Obviously, on top of that, there's the story of the, the world ending, you know, but it's it's things like that that really get me, and like, you know, sort of holding up a mirror to society, or holding up a mirror to the way the world works, and that's why probably Dawn of the Dead is one of my sort of favourite movies of all time. Um, so you want social commentary, basically. I, I love... Well, like- Good social commentary. I love Dawn of the Dead, you know, for for those reasons, and also because I live about twenty minutes from Monroeville Mall, where the movie wow. was filmed, yeah. and I've no been way. there countless times, and it's it is totally unrecognizable today as what it was. Sure. Um, all the stores that were there when the movie were filmed are gone. Um, the oh, last no thing actually that was taken out of the mall was the uh, the J C Penney's. Um, wow. That that was you know so. Um, integral to the movie, but there's there's yeah, also a yeah. lot of racial undertones, and there's so many layers to that movie. Of course, I mean to all of to all the Romero sort of original three, yeah. yeah the rate it's just the stuff there to to go back and think about and see again, um, you know, and have and there's more realizations to have about it every time. 
Um, and for me, that's all my favorite movies have that. Don't get me wrong. If I see a movie that hasn't got any sort of social commentary in it, I still enjoy it. Um, but I think all great movies should have a sort of undercurrent of subtext, um, which is what we tried to do with Good Tidings. And don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing myself to Romero or anything like that. But, you know, it, we didn't want it to be just purely surface level. We wanted to have something underneath that people could go, oh yeah, I see what you're trying to say there. Um, so yeah, for me, that's that's what really does it, is a bit of substance, a bit of subtext, and a nice little bit of social commentary. Even watching a film like uh, from one age age to another like can be a completely different experience. I remember watching uh, Dawn of the Dead when I was a kid and just being like, all right, look at all the blood and gore. But now I watch it as, as an adult and it's still just as amazing, but you see it exactly. from a whole different perspective. Exactly. So it's, it's something that it's a gift that keeps on giving, isn't it really? A movie like that. I mean, I love that though, you know, when you do... <laughs> When you watch something as a kid and you don't you know you don't quite get you don't pick up on that but you know you still love it and then when you watch it it's you go right <laughs> i get that surface level of wow this is cool these guys are trying to survive these zombies you know they're in this awesome setting they're in this mall there's carnage happening all over the place you can enjoy it just simply for that or you can delve into it you know there are also mm. movies like that. Right. Oh, yeah. Given. Geo, I think we're back to you. Have you uh, have you made a decision yet? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I get enough social commentary watching the news so far, so I'm definitely not going to give the <laughs> same point. answer. Uh, especially with like what's happened in you know the UK and the US in 2016, I'm going to go with like Terminator 2 because I can watch that film at any point, at any day, and I'm I enjoy it, and it doesn't get old. And I think I just need a film that just makes me happy to be alive or just forget that I'm alive, depending on how I feel. And it can do both. So, yeah, watch T2. That's, it's a simple It's a, simple it's a grim story, though, at the end of James the day. James Cameron, yeah, master, of, master of sequels. <laughs> it's, it's great. It is. No, it is. But it's, it's fluffy and it's nice and it's, yeah, it's it comfortable. It's a tremendous movie. It's completely... Good choice, I would say. Like Get to watch once a year at least. Nearly perfect. Yeah, definitely. Maybe not the, the latest one, but yeah, I could watch all three, I suppose. Well, one and two. Oh, no. let's, let's, let's not go with number three now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, could, could nice movies that kind of make you, you know, I call them the warm, fuzzy movies that you can yeah, watch. Tango movies. Yeah, you know. The... Yeah, I feel like a social commentary for movies it was good for me when everything was going okay and I wanted to delve artistically into other problems that we had in the world. But now all our problems are so in our face all the time that yeah. like I just feel like it'd be more on top of the mountain. It's like, what's the point? <laughs> the news is the worst <laughs> movie out there. Too much news, Gio. Too much I news. do. I read, I, read, I read the news all the time. It's depressing. It is. That's why I avoid the news. Just, just depressing yeah. all the time. Oh, yeah. Hello. It's grim. Yeah. It's grim. Well, you know, that's why it's why we kind of get our we get our so social anxieties out in that way, don't we? In the movies yeah. and tell mm. our side of what we think's happening and that type of thing. But yeah, I, I love a I love a nice movie that I could just not so much have to switch my brain off, but you know, lie on the couch and and just chill. And Terminator Two is pure pure brain dead movie. I, so I, hard. 
Terminator. I'm still a Terminator man. No, I'm still. I'm still. I would rather watch Terminator than Terminator Two, though. Terminator. I mean, there is. You could argue an undercurrent of slight <laughs> social commentary in those movies about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Our own, our own advanced only, technology turning. We're, we're all going to blow ourselves up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't go, don't, don't screw with time. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Even, even those movies, those turn your brain off movies, they still have us. They're iconic because they have an undercurrent of something deeper. Oh yeah, because like Terminator is always relevant from now on until humanity's gone. It will always yeah. be relevant. I mean, just look what like what did Trump say a couple of days ago? He wants to redo all of America's nuclear weapons system, whatever. Yeah. He wants he wants to expand and all that stuff. I'm like, that's dangerous talk. Yeah. It brings Terminator. Yeah, the minute, we have, to the... minute we have any AI popping up, what do we all think? <laughs> we all go, uh oh, <laughs> oh shit. Series getting an upgrade. <laughs> Cyberdyne time. That's it. We're all done. And the story. Wow, his voice command. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. freaks me out too much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's amazing for me. I use it all the time. I'm totally asking for it. It doesn't understand me. I say, like, Terminator 2 <clears throat> comes up with, like, term paper poo. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is completely different from what I want. Yeah. <laughs> so... Are you guys working on another film together, or do you each have your own projects that you're working on? No, we are looking to uh, we are looking to jump on a project together again um, straight away. Really, you know, we want to keep it going and sort of crack out another feature as as quickly as possible. Um, but yeah, you know, it's kind of tough once you've made your first movie to jump on your second. But we've got we've got a sort of we've got a plan. Um, and hopefully in 2017 we can sort of go through with it and get this shot, really. Um, so, yeah, we've de- we're have definitely doing something together. It's another two-headed snake um, entertainment production that we'll be doing. Um, but, yeah, there is definitely something on the horizon. It's it's a sort of mockumentary, true crime. A true crime mockumentary is that's what we're looking to do. Yeah, that's that, that basically sums it up. I mean, as you say, it's difficult, isn't it, really? Because to a certain extent, you've kind of got to see how your first movie does. Yeah. So it takes stock again at the start of the year and go, okay, what can we do? Because we're not, like I say, we're not James Cameron. We're not these guys who can just go, hey, give me like another, give me 20 million. You know, we've got to, we've got to be able to get it funded. We fund, you know, Geo Geo is our exec producer. So, you know, he funded, he funded Good Tidings and we've got to just kind of, kind of see how the distribution goes to be able to fund the next one, really, or, you know, maybe look at a crowdfunding or something like that. Yeah. But Does that dictate, doesn't it? Do we do it this way? Do we do it that way? We'll, we will do it, but which route we take to do it is dependent on sort of several factors. Mm. Sounds good. Looking forward to that. Now, we have one what? more very important um, discussion question for you guys. Uh, um, it's something that Paul and I, you know, talk about often. It, it comes up a lot surprisingly what is your opinion on hairless cats they're kind of scary they kind of scare me they're a bit weird I, sh- I, I prefer hair yeah, no, I, we, one, of our, one of our actors that loves hairless cats because he's allergic and he's always got it on his facebook <laughs> They're pretty cute, really. Yeah, so he does. Oh, so he does. does. And I think, I think it looks like a, I think it looks like a freaky 
weird thing that they've like just dug up or something and you know, yeah. like pet symmetry cat or something yeah it looks, looks like totally that. is it egyptian or is it like a is sphinx. that what they're called because they yeah oh yeah totally look egyptian yeah they're they're adorable i mean i think they're just they're just crying out for attention and love i think they look like moving abortions i i don't trust them <laughs> <laughs> i don't trust them <laughs> no, i um, i uh, uh, <laughs> wow these cats look kind of strange but I got with a girl, she's actually sat over there at the moment, who had, this sounds a bit mad, she's got a hairless rat called Bo, and it's the cutest thing ever. And now yeah, I'm like, going, oh my god, like I'm finding these things cute. Now all of a sudden, <laughs> um, there's something about them, they look really This is the most thought I've ever put Give into me a, fl- a fluffy cat, I like cats, I like, I like fluffy cats. Well, see, I, I had thing. two cats. And they just—it always seemed like they have something to hide. And oh yeah, that's hair, nice hairless cats—they have nothing to hide. Like it's—it's it's all there for show. <laughs> it's all out in the open. They don't need yeah. to like keep something. Yeah, that's why cats are kind of a bit like, you know, they're a bit dodgy, aren't they? They're a bit dodgy. There's something, something about cats that. Yeah, they, 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 got, they got like yeah. a resting bitch face cats, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I, I had one cat. Uh, her her name was RJ, and she literally woke me up one night. She was pawing my shoulder. And I was, I woke up and I was like, "What do you want?" She sneezed in my face and walked away. Cats <laughs> <laughs> like, in general. I think that, I think that sums up cats pretty well. Like, I read something about dogs are aware of the fact that they're sort of alphaed by their owner, but cats consider you their thing. Yeah, totally. The thing. Yeah. my thing. Where they're, where they're bitches, um, Yeah, you know what I mean. They're bitches. It's also when you kind of get when they wake you up in the middle of the night to give you them some food and you put some food down, they just walk off and you're like, yeah. Oh my Actually, god, <laughs> oh my god, yeah. They used to knock on my she used to scratch at my door because uh, I used to live just separately from the house. So I used to open the door and just wait for it to come in and just sit there for ages going, oh, All right, thank you. They just want you to be up doing stuff for them. That's why I kind of like them. They've got this. They've got this like sort of fuck you attitude. It's like fuck you, do this for me, go up, and you're like, ah. <laughs> you do it all the time. I've had cats forever, and I'm still doing it. <laughs> Even at five in the morning, just six like the, in the punishment. Morning. Oh, yeah, I had a cat. I love my cat. I was devastated when it died, but yeah, definitely. When I see hairless cats, I think of I think we as human beings have gone too far with experimenting and with animals. Like I think of that scene in Jurassic Park when they're talking about the park and the cloning the dinosaurs. Like what right did we have to do this? We've gone too far as humanities. To me, that's hairless cats. It's just proof we've gone too far with experimenting. <laughs> I don't that's think it. we've gone don't far it. enough. <laughs> well, until we have sharks with laser with beams, cats. maybe not. <laughs> we should, we should go as yeah, far as we can. I agree. No, no, no. Like, we'll exactly. end up with like hairless everything. Everything will just be. Yeah. Like, well, so what? I reckon four ass <laughs> monkeys and all that. It's just <laughs> hairless donkeys and like inside out cats. Yeah, yeah. inside out cats and yeah. As long no, as I we're agree. not torturing anything or preventing <laughs> for barking, we should just go for it. <laughs> I was baby. I was babysitting my four month old nephew yesterday, and I gave him a stuffed Grim Reaper to play with. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's how it should be. Perfect. Start them early, man. Start them early. <laughs> so, where is it that we can follow you guys to learn more about your future projects? Is there a specific website or Twitter Twitter handle we should be looking at? Um, we do have uh, a Facebook 
Um, we've obviously got a two-headed snake Facebook page and a Twitter. They are um, a facebook.com uh, two-headed snake two, sorry, two-hyphen-headed snake and um, the Twitter handle is at 2HS Entertainment. Now, is that and two spelled add- out or the number two? That's the number two. Okay. Sweet. We have to fit. We have to fit. Our name is huge. Our name yeah. is huge. Two-headed snake <laughs> entertainment totally can't fit on any social media page. <laughs> so, yeah, it's always a two. But that's where you can find out anything that's going to come new from us. Uh, we've also obviously got our um, we've got a website that will be going live real soon in the new year, um, which is just um, twoeditsnake.com. And that will be live in the beginning of the new year, which you'll have all our kind of behind the scenes from Good Tidings, photos, love all our shorts on there. So you can catch anything, any news updated on the website. And yeah, we should send you guys our, we'll, we'll send you guys our links that maybe you can like sort of paste in where this is, is going up or anything like that. Definitely. Yeah. We'll um, have to, we'll have to um, follow you guys and learn more about what you guys are doing in the future. Nice, man. Thank you very much. No problem. You heard it here, folks. Good Tidings, a film about three serial killer Santa Clauses by Stu Jopa, Stuart Bedford, and Giovanni Gentile. Guys, thanks for joining us. It's been a really fun show. Thanks Thanks for for coming on. Oh, one quick thing I forgot to ask. um, Where can people watch Good Tidings? Uh, it is on. It's only on North American uh, distribution at the moment, but you can catch it on Amazon Video, uh, Vudu, Google Play, uh, Xbox Network, and iTunes. Sweet. So if you haven't watched it yet, go out and do it. It's wor- well worth the worth the money. Tis the season. Nice. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Nice one. Cheers. If you have an independent film you're working on and would like to discuss it, you can email us at bmoviebros at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at bmoviebros or my personal Twitter at bmoviepaul. Don't forget to listen to our podcast. We review a different bmovie each week. New episodes every Friday on our website bmoviebros.com. If you have a movie you'd like us to review or any additional comments, feel free to leave a message below. This has been another bmovie interview. We are the bmovie bros saying... Be brave, be alive, and be back next time. Get on the next